0: How often have we heard contracts are made to be broken? This self-serving morality dominates the political scene, the business scene, and even our personal relationships. When there is no longer any sense of justice, moral responsibility, or accountability, societal order and individual relationships collapse and injustice emerges. And Psalm 7 addresses the issue of injustice. Psalm 7 is a psalm of individual lament. According to the inscription, it's a Shigeon of David, which he sang to the Lord concerning Cush, a Benjamite. And uh, this shigion is a wild, passionate song. And obviously, uh, this uh, Cush the Benjamite uh, was afflicting David in some way. So let's uh, go through the psalm and this prayer for justice. We'll begin with verses 1 and 2, a cry for deliverance. We'll continue to verses 3 to 5, a confession of righteousness. We'll look at verses 6 to 8, a call for judgment. And then move to verses 9 to 10, a call for salvation. And then verses 11 to 13, a confession of God's righteousness. And then verses 14 to 16, a condemnation of unrighteousness. And finally, we'll close with verse 17, a call to worship. A call to worship. So let's go back to verses 1 and 2 and see the cry for deliverance. Verse 1, O Lord my God, in you I have taken refuge. Save me from all those who pursue me and deliver me, or he will tear my soul like a lion, dragging me away while there is none to deliver. Verse 1 begins with this confession, this call, uh, which reveals God's character and David's relationship with him. He starts out with, O Lord, my God. Notice the possessive pronoun, my. Yahweh, Lord, is personal to David. And for this reason, he calls him by name. For this very reason, this intimacy that exists between Yahweh and David, he says, In you I take refuge. Refuge. That is, I'm fleeing to you uh, for security. I'm hiding out in a fortress or a cave, uh, is how he pictures or typifies the Lord, to protect him from the onslaught of attack from this enemy. Because God is trustworthy, David prays, save me, deliver me. The word translated save means give me width and breath, literally give me space. Now the Lord is called into battle here to give David breathing room, or to give him some space against those who are pursuing him. The parallel phrase "deliver" employs a verb that can be used for taking out, take, excuse me, taking prey out of the mouth of an animal. So you know David saying, "Listen, I need some space from this cat who's pursuing me." And in another sense, he's like, listen, he's already got me in the grip of his mouth. He's ready to devour me. Get me out of his mouth. And verse 2 employs that same image for David's deliverance from his enemies. And his call for, or his cry for deliverance is based on God's faithfulness, God's love, God's ability and power to rescue him. Now in verse 3 to 5, we have a confession of righteousness. O Lord my God, if I have done this, if there is injustice in my hands, if I have rewarded evil to my friend, or have plundered him without cause, was my adversary. Let the enemy pursue my soul and overtake it. Let him trample my life down to the ground and lay my glory in the dust. Selah. Now, why should God deliver David? If David had sinned, should not his sins find him out? How can a just God not allow judgment to come upon David? Now, I think there are several answers here to this issue, but we have to look at the fact that beyond the justice of God is the mercy of God. David has experienced God's forgiveness, and David knows that his enemies lie. David knows that he has not acted unjustly. So he's not asking God to deliver him uh, because... He committed some sin, and hey, listen, you know, I need you to get me out of this trouble. David's saying, listen, I did not do anything wrong. I did not do what this man, Cush, the Benjamite, is accusing me of. In good conscience, he cries for God to vindicate him. Now, the content of the charge against him is revealed. First of all, there's the general complaint there is iniquity in his hands. In other words, uh, there was a specific accusation against David that he had repaid evil to Cush and plundered his enemies without cause. And the purpose of this charge is evidently to sow seeds of suspicion amongst David's allies. Is he really honoring his treaty? Is he going to keep our covenant? Is he going to fulfill his contract? Is he going to turn his back on us? That was what David's allies were beginning to ask because this guy Cush was making these accusations. And not only was David accused of undercutting his allies, but Cush also accused him of plundering his enemies without cause. The Hebrew here is literally translated, I have even delivered him who was my foe carelessly. In other words, David was treacherous towards his allies by double dealing with their enemies. So one sense he had a contract with his allies to protect them all the while he was selling weapons to their enemies behind the scenes. That's what he's being accused of. You know, the the idea that uh uh You know, he is secretly changing the balance of power behind the scene. And David responds to these charges in verse 5 with more battle imagery. He says, if I'm guilty as charged, then God execute judgment against me, send an enemy army to chase me, run me down, and roll me over. Now, that's some serious, you know, vindication. Listen, if I've done this, then Lord, take me out. Use my enemies to wipe me out. Now David can say that because why? He's confident that he is not guilty of those things. So he asserts his innocence, he prays for deliverance, he's ready for judgment, and now we have a call for judgment in verses 6 through 8. Arise, O Lord, in your anger, lift up yourself against the rage of my adversaries and arouse yourself for me. You've appointed judgment. Let the assembly of the peoples encompass you and over them return on high. The Lord judges the people Vindicate me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and my integrity that is in me. Now, David does not take judgment into his own hands, because only God can judge absolutely. God sees the heart. God is totally righteous. Remember what he says in Romans 12, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. David wants to go after this cat. David wants some vengeance, but he said, nope, Lord, that's in your hands. He says, God, rise up off the throne in your anger. Now, we've seen that word anger before, and basically it's the idea of, you know, hot breath. You know, he, he, is, he is angry, he is seething inside uh, against this uh, uh, man named Cush for his accusations against David. Now David calls for God to meet with his own anger, the anger of David's enemies. Lift yourself up because of the rage of my enemies. God, you get up off the throne and you get angry at their anger against me. God's wrath is his moral response to immorality. God is just and the God who is just will judge all things and will judge all things justly. And so he can know who his anger needs to be against. You didn't need David's help here. But as God opens his court, the peoples are gathered. The congregation of the people surrounds you. The plural for peoples there suggests that this is all the nations. He's going to gather all the nations to judgment. And over them return on high. Literally, David is summoning the Lord to sit in judgment Uh, over all peoples. You know, as you think of of in a courtroom, the judge sitting above everybody else. That's the idea here. And so David is careful also here in verse 8, Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness, according to my integrity within me. So David's not saying, Listen, I don't deserve judgment, but Lord, here, you can judge me too. Judge my righteousness, judge my integrity, because I know I'm innocent of these charges. Verse 9 to 10, a call for salvation. Oh, let the evil of the wicked come to an end, but establish the righteous. For the righteous God tries the hearts and minds. My shield is with God, who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge and a God who has indignation every day. Now, David's crying here for resolution. He's invoking the Lord to deal with both the wicked and the righteous. Okay. He executes his judgment. He doesn't pronounce judgment. He executes the judgment as well. And so when David prays, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, he knows that God, not he, is going to terminate the lies and the attacks. David cannot commit his case to the Lord and execute his own judgment. If I'm giving this to God, i got to let God execute the judgment. And the idea here is that we need to put our lives in the Lord's hand and wait on him. Now, at the same time, David expects his own vindication. He says, but establish the righteous. Listen, David understands that the only righteousness he has is from God. God is righteous. For the righteous God tests the hearts and minds. By the way, the word minds there is the word for kidneys. That's interesting because the ancient Hebrews believed that the organ of, of the heart and the kidneys was the source of thinking and feelings of the person. You know, and and I guess that came out of the idea of you know uh, when they were upset, they got a you know their their stomach may have gotten sour or they they may have had you know pains of anxiety or something in their chest and you know butterflies as we would say in their stomach, and so they they really believed that the heart and the kidneys was the source of of uh, feeling and thinking. So when David prays, establish the righteous. Uh, Basically, what he's saying here is, listen, uh, Father, you are the righteous one, and we need you to establish us as righteous. Uh, You know, from a perspective of the New Testament, uh, this is all about Christ, the spotless lamb. And it's because of him we're righteous. It's because of him we're established in righteousness. God made him who knew no sin to become the sin sacrifice for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him, Second Corinthians 5.21. David concludes, my shield is with God. Literally, God is my shield. Uh, he's my protection from my enemies. And God saves the upright in heart. God protects us like a shield. He'll deliver us like a warrior. Now we move to a confession of God's righteousness. A confession of God's righteousness in verses 11 to 13. God is a righteous judge and a God who has indignation every day. If a man does not repent, he will sharpen his sword. He has bent his bow and made it ready. He has also prepared for himself deadly weapons. He makes his arrows fiery shafts. Now, God's righteousness is nothing to mess with. David's asserted his own righteousness, he's confessing the righteousness of God, he says God's a just judge who's angry with the wicked every day, and that word there, by the way, for indignation, uh, is the idea of curse, meaning that God curses the wicked continually, he is angry, he has indignation with the wicked uh, every day. David seals the idea of God's judgment with an image of God as an avenging warrior. Uh, And he begins with this qualifier, if a man doesn't repent. Listen, judgment is reserved upon the unrepentant. God is always just. And just like the father of the prodigal son, he welcomes us home if we repent and return to him. But if we continue in sin, God is ready to execute his sentence. Like a soldier getting ready for combat, he is armed with a sharp sword, he's got a ready bow, he's got flaming arrows, and he's going to drop his judgment on those who deserve it. It is a fearful thing for unrepentant sinners to fall in the hands of a living God. Verse 14 to 16, the condemnation of unrighteousness. The condemnation of unrighteousness. Behold, he travails with wickedness. He conceives mischief and brings forth falsehoods. He's dug a pit and hollowed it out. He has fallen into the hole which he made. His mischief will return upon his own head and his violence will descend upon his own head. Now the issue of the psalm becomes very clear here. In a rough image, David sees his enemy pregnant with iniquity. It's the idea of travailing with wickedness. He's, in, uh, he's pregnant, he's in labor with wickedness. And the word wickedness here is closely associated with the idea of deception or deceit. That This wickedness conceives mischief and then bears falsehood. And this exactly goes back to the issue David had with this guy Cush. Cush was sitting here making up lies about David, deceptions, and creating mischief by his falsehoods. And, uh, you know, he was basically accusing David of being treacherous towards his friends. And that had caused David this anguish here. And David was, you know, experiencing injustice. But God's judgment is certain and the God who executes judgment will allow David's enemies to fall by their own weight. He has dug a pit and he's fallen into the pit that he made for David. Cush is going to go down by his own traps. Everything that he's accused David of is going to come back on him. The very pit that Cush dug for David, like an animal trap, is going to trap him. And his violence is going to come upon his own head. God's going to execute judgment. He's going to let sin run its course. But, understand, by letting it run its course, that's the idea of Romans 1. He's going to give them over to their sin, and their own sin is going to destroy them. Listen, it's like Galatians 6, 7 says, God has not mocked whatever a person sows, that will they also reap. The psalm closes now with a call to worship in verse 17. I will give thanks to the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Confident that his prayer is going to be answered, David now concludes his psalm and worships God. God is going to save him from those who persecute him. God is going to rise up in judgment. He's going to test the hearts and minds of all people. He's going to destroy the wicked. And David declares, I will give thanks to the Lord according to his righteousness. David affirms that all he has said earlier in this psalm, God is righteous, God restores his kingdom, God rules, God is trustworthy, God vindicates David, and therefore he says, I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. That Lord Most High is a phrase found first in Genesis fourteen eighteen, meaning that God is above all other gods. So in defeating at David's enemy, he has defeated his enemy's gods. Of course, we know those gods are false, mere idols. Certain of God's rescue and his justice towards his enemy, David goes out from his lament with song. And just so, God is our resolution in distress. God is our resolution in times of injustice. And when we see him act, we can praise, which is the proper response to the one who hears and answers. Folks, injustice is reigning all around us. It goes back to what we said at the beginning of this devotional, that there today is a self-serving morality in the political realm, the business realm, and even in our personal relationships. Uh, the justice has gone out the window. Moral responsibility or accountability is out the door. And the societal order is in an uproar. Injustice is raging. And the church of God should not be the cause of that injustice. And so just as we, you know, we, we see the injustice around us and we're crying out for deliverance from injustice, friends, we also need to look at ourselves and make sure we're not the source of injustice, to make sure we're not the ones who are causing the oppression, to make sure that we are righteous, that we are upright, that we are people of integrity. We need to confess our righteousness. You know, If indeed we've examined ourselves and we're righteous, fine. Lord, here I am, examine me and see who I am. And then we can cry out to God, Lord, you need to judge this situation. Lord, you need to intervene in this situation and do what is right and know that he will. Uh, Nothing wrong. Listen, if, if you're experiencing injustice, cry out to God for salvation. Cry out and ask him to save you and deliver you from that injustice. And you know, at the same time, let's not be passive. If we see injustice being done, let's make sure that we're praying as well and as God leads that we respond and, to that injustice and that we would uh, not just passively watch and say well I prayed about it but you know sometimes it's you know we do our part of, of uh, praying and God does his part but then God may also lay upon our heart how to help alleviate this injustice and relieve this injustice. And so we need to be aware of that as well. We need to confess God's righteousness. Again, we need to be condemning unrighteousness. And that has to begin with us. And, you know, we got to start at home and then expand from there. But at the end of the day... We always need to come back to worshiping God. Father in heaven, I thank you that you are a just God, a God who hates injustice, a God who takes no pleasure in the injustices of this world. And I thank you, Father, to know that there is, you, you will let it run its course. But, Father, the injustice done by wicked people will come back upon their own head. They, 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 they who live by the sword will indeed die by the sword. Father, I thank you for being a righteous, holy, just God. Lord, I pray that we would constantly examine ourselves to make sure that, Lord, we're not part of the problem. That we're not involved in, in injustice. That we're not like Cush making false accusations. That, Lord, everything, every accusation that we make, everything we state, that we can back it up as truth. And that it can be examined and proven to be true. And, Father, I pray that if there is some injustice, that, Lord, we could come and repent. Because, Father, we know that when we repent, you receive us with open arms. But the unrepentant, you have your sword pointed at them, your bow is is pointed at them, you are ready to unleash judgment upon the unrepentant. So, Father, I pray for those who are oppressed by injustice. Lord, I pray that, God, you might relieve them. Father, if we see some injustice, that Lord, we would certainly pray, but you might move us to how we can help alleviate that and what, what is our responsibility there as well. And that, Father, uh, we would just ask and pray that we would continue to keep our focus ever on you. You is the standard of righteousness. You is the standard of justice. You is the standard of, of fairness. And Father, at the end of the day, we give you all the praise and thanks. We pray in Jesus' matchless name. Amen.